Okay, welcome everybody. Here we are to another wonderful, wonderful edition of Mishlei. Recording in progress. There you go. Okay, another wonderful edition of Mishlei. We left off last week. Perik Bays Pasuk. We did Gimel, but we kind of ran through it. So let's just kind of go back to the beginning of Perik Bays. Um, start from where we kind of left off and go from there. Okay, so Perik Beis, uh, we're finally talking about how to get Chachma. We've been talking about the, the importance of Chachma, the value of Chachma. That's something we've been talking about until now. And Perik Beis is where we're going to talk about how to acquire Chachma. So he starts off, I'm just going back a couple of seconds, we did these already, but my son, if you take my words, and my mitzvahs you will hide with you, you will keep with you, uh, hide for safekeeping with you. Uh, to turn your ear towards Chachma, uh, tilt your heart towards understanding. Um, okay, we talked about those last time, we talked about the idea of Shmia, of listening versus seeing, <coughs> and what that, what that looks like. Okay, uh, Rabbi Yonah, we said last time, says there's five steps towards acquiring Chachma. And the five steps are number one, listening. Uh, Shmia, which is listening, you got to listen. And we talked about that last time. Number two is concentration or focus. Uh, listening to Torah and only Torah uh, or Chachma, nothing else. Um, a person can hear smart things, can hear wisdom and hear a lot of other things and then confuse themselves. So step one is to listen. But um, step two is to make sure that you're only listening to Chachma. Uh, so turn off everything else because that can confuse you. Um, so even if a person is receptive, you have to be careful. You have to pick your, uh, be careful about what it is that you take in. I remember once I gave a um, class to Beis Yaakov here a while ago. And um, we did a little exercise where, you know, I, I, I told the girls, I said, you know, we, we all like to think that we have our own independent thoughts. You know, we're all indiv- independent thinkers and we have our own individual ideas. Uh, the truth is we're just food processors. You know, we take in everything we've learned from the world around us. We churn it up, process it, and spit it out as if it's our own. But really, we are just whatever came in. Um, you know, if we'd be born in different societies, raised in different societies, we'd think quite differently from the way we do now. So I said, well, then the important thing then is to make sure we know where information is coming from. Where, where is our education coming from? Where are our sources of information? So I asked the girls, I said, you know, tell me, where do you get your information from? Your, the way you think about the world, you know, what are the different sources that you come from? And it's not just formal instruction in school, it's your friends, it's media, it's books you read. What, I mean, every, every interaction that you have with somebody else teaches you something, right? You know, somebody once said, all television is educational. The question is, what is teaching you? <laughs> it's all educational though, right? Um, so, so everything that we listen to, everything we take in, every experience that we have teaches us something. So we put up on the board and all the girls kind of, you know, called out all the different things. And then I said, okay, so now let's see what percentage of our intake is Torah-based and what percentage is not Torah-based. And we went through each one of those things. That is this, this Torah-based, this not Torah-based, this, is Torah, this isn't. Um, and, and the idea that the second step that Rabbi Yonah talks about is, okay, it's good to listen and listen to Chachma, 
but then you have to focus and only listen to Chachma because if you're then going to listen to Chachma and a whole bunch of other things, so then the way you think is going to be a composite of a lot of good and a lot of not so good. And then you're just going to be kind of one big jumbled, um, one big jumble. So so the second thing is, is, is focus and concentration. Um, okay. The third thing is tefillah, he says. And we'll talk about this a little bit more as we go on. The idea of tefillah, <clears throat> tefillah is important in acquiring wisdom. Um, this is unique to Hashem's Chachma. Uh, this is not something that anybody would say about, you know, any secular Chachma. You know, one of the ingredients. You know, the first two things you could probably say about any secular Chachma, you know. You want to you wanna have a good understanding of geometry. So, you know, find, find good people, find smart people, listen to them, and don't listen to people who aren't smart in that field. Tefillah wouldn't play a role. Right? You wouldn't say tefillah is a recipe, is an ingredient towards acquiring geometry knowledge, right? Um, as a matter of fact, you're not allowed to pray in schools. Uh, you know, it's a... They might be if you were just to take an exam. Right. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So tefillah is number three. Um, number four is hishtadlus, he says. You've got to put an effort. Um, effort is different than, <coughs> sorry, than the first two. Um, Shmi and concentration are, are, are focuses, but they're not effort. Effort means I got to work. You got to work at it. Um, and number five, says Rabbi Yoda, is Ahava. Because you have to love it. You have to want it. Um, in order for, for Chachmah to truly penetrate, you have to want it. And he says all these five ideas are born out of these Pesukim that we're going to read now. So listening, focus, Tfila. Hishtadlus and Ahava to want it. Okay. So let's get into Pasuk Dalit over here. Oh, sorry, let's read Pasuk Gimel and then we'll just go to Pasuk Dalit. Kim, the Bina Tikra, for if you will call out for Bina, the Sunatit and Kalachal, you'll give out your voice for understanding. That's a reference to Tfilah there that you will, you will daven, you'll call out for it. And Pasuk Dalit is a famous Pasuk. If you will seek it, out, if you will seek it out like like money, and like uh, treasures, you will seek it. You will seek it out. So, uh, the ingredient to acquiring chachma is to desire to seek it out. The same way a person would desire money. There's a um, there's a pasuk in Kohelis. The pasuk says. Um, Sorry, there's a famous saying of Chazal, if somebody has 100, he wants 200, right? So simply put, the Gemara says, that's referring to money, right? Uh, the Pazan calls is like this, somebody who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Somebody who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Rashi on that Pazan says, Torah Somebody who loves Torah will not be satisfied with Torah. So what is Rashi coming to say? I mean, the Pasuk's telling me, again, it wasn't Kohelish, that Kohelish Shlomo Melech is um, making an observation about the world, that people that run after money, that, that run after material wealth, will never be satisfied. Okay, that's a nice observation. And then Rashi says, and somebody who runs after Torah will not be satisfied with Torah. I mean, it might be true. Like, what, what's the connection? Why does Rashi see a need to say that in reference to this verse of running after material goods is not going to satisfy a person? And is it a good thing to say that somebody who runs after Torah will never be satisfied with Torah? What does that even mean? What is Rashi coming to say? So I once heard an a, a incredible idea from Ramatasio Solomon, who's the Mashkiach in the Lakewood Yeshiva. 
he said the following. He said this from his Rabbi Rebali Lapian that we say in, in Davening on um, on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Seres Mitshuva, we say, Zachreinu L'chaim, Melech right? Remember us for life. We ask Hashem for life. Hashem, give us life. So he says, what is life? What does it mean life? What do we mean when we say, Hashem, give us life? So simply put, we're saying, Hashem, keep us alive. So he says, so we're asking for oxygen, breathing. That's what we want. We're, the tefillah is, Zachreinu L'chaim, give us life. So he said, as Rebbe, Rebbe Lapian explained it very differently. He said, we're not simply asking Hashem to, you know, keep our heart beating. What, and he said a very penetrating thing. He said, a person's life is defined by the thing that they can never get enough of. There's a insatiable appetite inside of people for life. We, we always want to live, save for, you know, obviously people that, that are ill, but a regular healthy person wants to live. And there's never enough. He said, he said imagine the following scenario. You know, an old Zaidi, you know, it's a 90th birthday, calls a meeting of his whole family, his kids, his grandkids, great-grandkids, maybe great-great-grandkids, who knows, calls everybody together and he says, you know, it's been 90 wonderful years, you know, with your Bobby and the kids and everything, but, you know, enough of a good thing. Like, I've had enough. So I'm just saying goodbye and, and that's it, you know. Today's going to be my last day, right? Never happens. People don't do that. Why not? He says, because we have an ability inside of us. Any other desire, you know, I like steak. Steak could be good, but that's not enough, you know. <laughs> it's too much. So the, the, Hashem gave us an ability to desire something. that It's, it's a desire for life. It's, it's insatiable. And that's the thing that we actually value as life itself. Now, everybody in their own lives applies that koach, that ability, towards something else. So some person, it might be music. You know, music is their life. So they have an insatiable appetite for music. He says, if you want to know what you're living for, find the thing that you can't get enough of, and that's what you're truly living for. The thing that you can just go, you can never get enough of it. So what, what, what the Pasen Gahalas is saying, oh, if Kesev, Elias, Bakesev. Somebody who loves money will never be satisfied with money. Somebody who loves money means that that's their purpose of living. They're living for money. If you're living for money, then your desire for live will be manifest and your desire for more and more and more money. That's how it's going to manifest. Yeah. Rashi on that Pasuk says, Oh, hey, Torah, the same exact ability, if applied to Torah, will apply to Torah as well. A person who lives for Torah will never get enough of Torah. And so this ability... This, this koach of living that Hashem placed in us can be applied towards anything. It can be applied towards something as you know, mundane as money. It can be applied to something as, as sacred as the Torah. Um, what Rashi is saying is it's not inherently a bad force. It's something that if used in the wrong way can be bad. So, so Mansiyah said a, a, <coughs> an incredible, a little bit of a scary insight then. He says, when we get up there in Rosh Hashanah, we say, Hashem, Zuchirin, L'chaim, give us life. What are we saying? It depends what the thing is that we can't get enough of. So if a person lives for music, what we're saying is, Hashem, give me more music. And if a person lives for money, you're saying, Hashem, give me more money. And if a person lives for pleasure, you're saying on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem, please give me more pleasure. <laughs> With all the fervent feeling that, that, that a person brings to that Rosh Hashanah davening. Because when you say, give me life, 
What you really mean is give me the thing that I want to live for, which is the thing that I can't get enough of. It's a scary thought. He says, and that's why at the end of that, that tefillah, Zechariah L'chaim, we say, V'chosveinu b'sefer ha'chaim l'mancha. He says, typically you translate it, write us in the book of life. Why? Because of you, for your sake. But he translated it differently. Zechariah b'sefer ha'chaim l'mancha. Read it together. Write us in the book of a life which is for your sake. We don't just want life. We, want a li- we don't want a life that is for music or a life that is for pleasure or a life that is for anything else. We want a life that is lamancha. So when I'm getting up here and saying, Hashem, I want life, I don't simply mean I want the ability to have more and more of whatever desire it is that I want. I want my life to be a life which is lamancha. That's what we mean when we say that. So getting back to here, if you desire chachma, the way a person desires typically money, Meaning you make it the purpose of your existence. This is what you want to live for. And you will, you will uh, seek it out like treasures. Oz, Pasuk Hey says, Oz, then, Tovin Yiras Hashem, you will understand fear of Hashem, Vidas Elohim Timsa, and you will find knowledge of Hashem, awareness of Hashem. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. So, what's, if a person does these things, a person listens, a person focuses, a person davens, a person desires um, with, with, with every fiber of his being to, be, to, to gain acquire Chachma. So then what's going to happen? Oz, then, Tavin Yeras Hashem, you will understand Yeras Hashem. Now, this is a very interesting line. Yeras Hashem Bina, understanding, is something we typically associate with, with the head. Yiras Hashem is something we understand. It's, it's, not, it's not knowledge. It's, it's a feeling. It's a sense. What does it mean you'll understand Yiras Hashem? It's a very interesting conjugation there between the verb Tavin, the word understand, and the noun Yiras Hashem, fear of Hashem. You'll understand Yiras Hashem. What does it mean to understand Yiras Hashem? So, um, the, the, the Kuzaris is a very interesting thing. He doesn't say it about this Pasuk, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply it here. The, 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 this, I don't know if you know the, the story of the Kuzari. Um, the Kuzari is an incredible work written by Rabbi Levi. Rabbi Levi lived around the time of the Rambam, uh, the times of the Rishonim in Spain. Um, it's a historical fiction, I guess you can call it. Uh, there was a kingdom called the Khazars, and there was a king there who was very devout. And he ended up converting to Judaism. Um, so the Yudha Levi wrote a book called the Kuzari, which basically says the story of how this king came to Judaism and came to convert all his people to Judaism. So it, it, it really has, he has a debate. In other words, the, the story, the way that, and it's, it's, it's fictional in the actual details of the story, but, but it was based on historical facts. Um, it says that this king was very devout and he would, do all sorts of religious things and rituals to try to, you know, be, be religious and be spiritual. And he kept on having this recurring dream, uh, which was, the dream basically came and told him, this is, you know, your, 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 um, your thoughts, your, your intention is good, but your actions are wrong. And he kept on having this recurring dream, your intentions are good, but your actions are wrong. And he was very troubled by this. In other words, he wanted to be spiritual, but he didn't know 
what way to go and he served all sorts of idolatry and different things because um, he just did, he didn't know so he decided he has to figure this out so he went and um, brought a philosopher brought a Christian brought a Muslim and asked them to describe their religions after he wasn't satisfied with the philosopher the Christian the Muslim finally said okay maybe I might as well try a Jew nothing to lose um, so he brings the rabbi and he has a conversation with the rabbi now the Kuzer Yehudalevi wrote this book to obviously explain Judaism um, to counteract philosophy and, and Christianity and Islam which were obviously big in those days all three of those were big in those days so one of the a lot of tremendous things in there but one of the things is the following um, the, 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 the Kuzer the Khazar king was the Kuzari, asked him, you know, about God, describing God, defining God. And he answered with the following analogy. Um, and I'm kind of giving, giving my own um, spin on it. But if you can imagine, you know, Shadokim, right? So before a person goes out to do research, they find out, they get the resume, they call, inquire, this and that. You get all sorts of information about the person, Right? And then you get married, you know the person. Whatever information you got is, is laughable. It's laughable. It's irrelevant, right? Like, it's just like facts on a piece of paper that have nothing to do with who the person is, right? And, and the Kuzari's point to the, 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 the rabbi's point to the, the king was, you want me to give you, you know, God's bio, so to speak. What is God? What are his specs? What could he do? You know, how tall is he? Right? What does he like to do? What does he do for interest? You know? And and because he's like, I know him. Like once you know him, like it's laughable to sit there and write up a resume. I know the person, right? I know God. So what it means tovin yiras Hashem is that once a person gets to this point where he's desiring chachma, yiras Hashem is no longer you know something you read about in a sefer. It's no longer something which I can describe. It's something which you understand innately. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it the same way you know a person uh, versus reading their biography. Read somebody's biography. You don't know them. You know facts about them, but you don't know them. Once you get to know them, you know them. That's what it means. You'll understand your Hashem. You'll experience it. You'll understand it. Um, that's the result of being somebody who seeks Chachm and acquires Chachm. <laughs> Uh, the end of the Pesach says, V'das elokim timtza. You will find knowledge of Hashem. Now this is again an interesting term, timtza. You'll find it. What does it mean you'll find it? Find it where? Right? So this is very reminiscent of, of the Gemara. The Gemara says, um, famous saying, the Gemara, Yagati umatsasi tamin, Yagati matsasi al tamin. If a person says, I toiled and I found, believe him. And if a person says, I didn't toil, and I found, don't believe him. And the language is very strange. Yogati means I, I toiled. And Matsasi, finding something, sounds like you found it without any toil. Right? You find something, you just stumble upon it in the street. So the way it works with you know, any other discipline um, is, yes, you basically learn the material and memorize the material and integrate it, and then you have it. When it comes to Torah, when it comes to Chachmas Elokis, the, the Hashem's knowledge, Hashem's wisdom, it's really something divine, it's something beyond this world. And even after our effort, that which we have it is simply Hashem put it there. 
it's just, it, it, it snaps into place. It's not something that we can acquire on our own without Hashem putting in there. So we have to put in the effort. I worked and then I found it. Tamit. Believe it. Um, it's still a metziah. It's still something that you find at the end of the day. It just happens. Hashem, Hashem gives it to you. And, and many, many tell me the Chachamim will express this. They'll say, look, I worked hard. And then all of a sudden, one day, I just understood everything. You know, I just started understanding things. Hashem opened my mind, so to speak. And this is an expression that you find all over that people use. That's what this means. Uh, even after you toil and you work, uh, it ends up being a matziah. It's something that you find. So that's a Kim Timsa. You will find. One day you'll wake up and you'll find you have a knowledge of Hashem. It's like, where did that come from? Right? Um, it, it, just, it just happens. Hashem gives it to you as a gift. Okay. One other important thing that uh, the commentators um, point to over here is that the product of other Chachma, right? So, so people endeavor to find Chachma. So, so what are they seeking? What's the end result of that? Right? What does it lead to? Like, why do you want to be so smart? Right? If you really dig down into somebody who's studying, right? <clears throat> so usually, at the end of the day, some of the Farshim say this, usually at the end of it is fame or fortune. Like, that's usually the product at the end, which is the main motivation. They may not readily admit it. They may say there's other things involved. But usually the product of other chachma is fame or fortune. Right? The product of chachmas, chachmas Hashem is Yiras Hashem. The goal of somebody acquiring chachma, Hashem's chachma, is Yiras Hashem. The goal of somebody acquiring other chachma is fame and fortune. The goal of somebody acquiring Hashem's chachma is Yiras Hashem. Very, very different sort of thing. Okay. And, and if anybody who studies Torah and the result is fame and fortune, which can be for some people, that's not really studying Torah. In other words, that's studying some wisdom which isn't Torah. They're not engaged in the study of Chacham Zashem. Uh, the fact that the books that you're opening up have Hebrew letters in them doesn't inherently make it seeking Torah Hashem. If a person is seeking Torah Hashem, the product will be Yiras Hashem, which is the ultimate goal, whereas people studying other Chachmas, the product is going to be fame or fortune. Okay. <clears throat> There's a Gemara in Nida. Very interesting Gemara. And it's also very, very correlated to these Pesachim over here. The Gemara says, what should a person do? Um, it says they asked one of the Tanoim, I forget who it was, but they asked one of the Tanoim, what should a person do if he wants to acquire Chachma? What should a person do? So he answered, Marba um, Yeshiva. You should increase the time you sit and study. Yeshiva means to sit and study. Yeshiva is sit, sit, literally. Yeshiva, and minimize your, your amount of time that you deal with business. Increase the amount of time that you study. Decrease the amount of time you're engaged in other matters. Uh, and that's how you achieve Chachm. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So the Talmidim said to him, they said, Rabbi, Harbe Asukain, Vlahoilu. Many people tried that and it didn't work. There are many people that sit and, you know, learn a lot and they don't, they minimize their business endeavors and they don't necessarily become chacham. So he said, so what, 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 what then? 
So he said back, Yevakish You have to ask for mercy from the one who all Chachm belongs to him. And he daven, ask Hashem for the Chachm. So step one, learn. If that doesn't work, daven. That, that's, that's the answer in the Gemara, and that's also expressed in these Pesukim over here. How do you acquire Chachm? Step one, learn. And if that doesn't work, step two, daven. Okay. Pasuk Zayin. Sorry, Pasuk, uh, yeah, Pasuk Zayin. Pasuk Vav. Ki Hashem yitein Chachma. Hashem is the one who gives Chachma. Like we said before, Chachma is not something, Chachma is Hashem. True Chachma is not something a person can acquire on their own. It has to be given to you by Hashem. Ki Hashem yitein Chachma. Hashem is the one who gives Chachma. Mipiv, from his mouth, Dasasuna, is where knowledge and understanding comes from. It's all given from Hashem. So it's not sufficient to say, I'm going to study, I'm going to become smart. In any other discipline, that works. I'll acquire the knowledge. I'll go out and I'll learn, I'll study, I'll acquire the knowledge. When it comes to Torah, it's not enough to simply say, I'll learn, I'll study. A person has to learn and study, it's true, but you have to want it, you have to daven. Um, because Hashem is the one who gives Chachma. Versus any other discipline, a person can go and take it. You can't take Chachma Hashem. It doesn't really belong in this world. It's something that's, that's beyond... Uh, a human's recognition completely, and therefore Hashem has to give it to you. Okay. Pasuk Zayin. Yitzbon laisharim tushia. Hashem secures the uh, the Torah for the upright. Magain lachesom, and He is a shield for those that walk in innocence. In other words, Torah is protective. Torah protects a person when Hashem has the Torah, when Hashem, when a person has Chachmah, uh, it protects people, it, it saves those that are upright, and it's a shield for those that walk in innocence. So what does this mean? So, <clears throat> th- this is actually a very interesting, interesting um, switch here. One might ask the following question. What is Holche Tom? Tom means Tamimus, Tamim. In the Haggadah, we also have the word tom, the tam, right? The tam is not the chacham. The tam is almost the opposite of the chacham, right? I mean, the rasha is, is wicked, but the, ta- the chacham is the one who has, possesses wisdom, and the tam is the one who doesn't have wisdom. He's a simpleton, right? So where does tom come in here? Where, where does the tam, right, the, the simpleton, the, 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 the innocent, so to speak, come into the discussion of chachmah? I mean, there might be a value or an element uh, to innocence, but this discussion that we're having now is about Chachmah. We're talking about people acquiring Chachmah. So why are we all of a sudden talking about how it becomes a shield for the innocent? Like, what's that yeah, all? That's what is integrity here. Okay, okay. But it's the same word, Tom. I mean, it's Tom, Tom, Tzmimim. It's the same word. Um, and it does imply a certain uh, lack of Chachmah. Um, it implies a lack of of of, of chacham. So ish tam yoshev aholim is a little bit of an oxymoron. It is ish tam means like simple, and yoshev aholim means he's a scholar. I mean, it's like he's a simple scholar. Like <coughs> those things are kind of contradictory, right? I mean, if he's simple, then he's not a scholar, and if he's a scholar, he's not simple. So what does it mean is an ish tom yoshev aholim? That expression itself is a little bit contradictory if you think about it, what a tom means. 
Um, now, one might say that there's, there's other definitions of tam. You know, tam means perfect. But, but ultimately, in Hebrew, one word means one thing. <laughs> so, so to sit there and say, no, it only means the perfect aspect of the tam, but not the innocent aspect of the tam, the simplistic aspect of the tam. It's like, it's one word that, that encompasses all those things. So how is somebody who's a scholar called a tam, like how do those two things go together? In the Haggadah, the Chacham and the Tam are not the same thing. They're two different people. So how is it the Yaakov Avinu is an Ish Tam who's Yoshev Ahalam? Yoshev Ahalam would be the Chacham, right? He sits and, and studies. He sits in the study all of his manage all day and learns. And then he's, a, he's the Ish Tam. How, how do those two things go together? So I heard a, a, a phenomenal idea. I said this over in, in, in Shul, by Shul Shudas this past week. None of you were there, so I could say it again. Um, phenomenal idea. From, this is from Brian Lapiansky. So the, the Pasuk says, this last week's parasha by um, Toldos, right? So, so what happens is the Yaakov and Esav, well, Yitzchak calls in Esav to give him the brachos. The introduction to that whole parasha is, Vayhikiz kan Yitzchak. It was when Yitzchak got older. His eyes got dim. He was blind. So on a very simple level, uh, he couldn't see. And since he couldn't see, that's why the whole story happened. He couldn't see whether it was Esav or Yaakov, and therefore the mix-up was allowed to happen. It's a very simple level. Rashi says, how did Yitzchak become blind? So Rashi brings two, two ideas. He brings three, really, but I want to get to the second one. The first one he says is because there was, there was the smoke of, um, of the idols that Esav's wives would, would, would burn incense to the idols, and the smoke got into his eyes and blinded him. Um, but the second chat that Rashi says is that by the Akedah, when Yitzchak was sitting there on the Mizbeach, about to be shechted, the Malachim, the angels, were crying. And the tears of the Malachim came and they fell into Yitzchak's eyes and blinded him. This is what Rashi brings to the Medrash. That's how, that's how Yitzchak became blind. So Rabbi Lapiansky asks the following question. He says, the Akeda was the pinnacle of Yitzchak's life. I mean, it was almost the pinnacle of, like, <coughs> human history, right? I mean, we, we ask Hashem to save us in the merit of the Akeda today. You know, Akeda Yitzchak. It's like the, the biggest chus that we have. How does it make sense that Yitzchak would walk away from the Akeda with an injury? Like, how does that make any sense? And you can't because he was... He was <laughs> It's the expression. It's a tom, right? Exactly. Exactly. Same. Same word. Same word. Yeah, he was unblemished, right? right? And he said also, like angels' eyes. I mean, I don't know what an angel is, but I would assume that angel tears are healing, not caustic, right? I mean, we're talking about angels. I mean, if angels' tears would, would come down, they'd probably be healing. So, what, what does Rashi mean? What is this? Is a measure? What does the measures mean? How is this understand? Like a punishment? Like Yitzchak was punished. He was injured. He was. He was. It was. Uh, it's very difficult to understand. Why would the the angel's tears cause him this blindness? So he said a phenomenal idea. Um, he brought another uh, uh, something the Chazal say. It says in the passage, We say this um, that Hashem saves a man and animal, this man and beast. So the, the Chazal say. These are referring, what does it mean to save a man and a beast? So the Chazal say this is referring to a person whose 
Arum Badas, like a person, he has cunning like a human being, yet he makes himself like an animal. Like something without any intellect. So it's not referring to an animal and a person. It's referring to a person who has cunning and intellect, yet at the same time makes himself like an animal without cunning and intellect. That's what the manager says. The Kruvim, inside the holiest place in the Beis HaMikdash, was the Kruvim, the arm. On top of the arm was the Kruvim. The, the Kruvim had children's faces. Children's faces. And he said there's a tremendous idea here. The idea is like this. We're supposed to live in this world with Chachma. We're supposed to learn as much as we can, understand as much as we can. To a point. And then, at that point, we say, okay, beyond this I can't understand. And I'm relying on Asha. Completely. The, um, the Gemara says a story. There was once one of the, I think, Damayroim, he was sitting and learning. He was so involved in his learning that he ended up squishing his finger. His, his chair, his finger got under his chair and he started bleeding. He crushed his, finger, his hands and his hands were bleeding. So there was somebody there, uh, a heretic, the Gemara says, was there. And he said to him, he says, look at you people. You're impulsive. He says, you've always been impulsive. Even going back to Matan Torah, going back to Harsina, you said, Nasa before, before Nishma. You said, we'll do even before you listen to what, I, what Hashem was telling you. See, you're impulsive. You don't, you don't, even, you don't even think of, you know, you, you, sign, you sign the document before you even read it. Right? Hashem says, I'm going to give you the Torah, enter into this contract with me. And what do you, you impulsive people do? You sign it and they say, Hashem, yeah, we'll do it. And then, yeah, by the way, what, what does it say in it? Right? He says, you're an impulsive people. You don't think. So he answered back and he quoted a passage. It's Tumas Yishar and Tanchem. That the Tuma, the same thing, the, 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 the Tmimus of straight people will lead them. So what's the answer? What's he answering back? Right? So a, a, a person with Chachma, the, the passage like the Chachma in a Barosho, a, a person with Chachma has eyes. He can see, he has foresight, he can see what's going on, see what's going to happen. A person without Chachmah is, is, is flailing blindly in the darkness. He doesn't know where to go. Yet, what if a person had a guide who knew, was able to see a lot more than he could? Then the smart thing would be, close your eyes and hold the hand of the guide and let him guide you. There's really three levels. The lowest level is I don't have any ability to see on my own. I have no one to guide me. I'm flailing along in the darkness completely blind. That's foolishness. That's impulsive. The next level is chachma. A person learns, a person has wisdom, a person has foresight. He's able to see where he's going and he's able to make decisions in his life. But there's a madriga that's higher than that, which is tamimus, which is as much as I have chachma, I know that Hashem knows way more than I do. And therefore, I'm going to close my own eyes, hold on to Hashem's hand, and let Him guide me at a certain point. It's very important that, yes, we need Chachma, but the Chachma should give way to Tamimus at some point. Philosophers went wrong. They said it's all Chachma. And if I can't understand it, then done. We don't go there. Right? When it, comes to, when it comes to us, yes, we have Chachma. But what's the step after Chachma? The Chachma then leads to Tamimus. To the extent that we can go with our Chachma, we go with our Chachma. But at some point, we run into a roadblock and we say, Hashem, 
beyond here we can't go. So I'm just going to hold your hand. You're going to tell me where to go. I was, I was listening. Um, I don't know if any of you know who Jordan Peterson is. He's a you know, famous psychologist, very, very smart guy. Um, and I was listening to an interview he did with somebody. He's not, he's not, he's not Jewish at all. Um, his attitude towards religion is very interesting. You'll see some of it. Um, but very smart, very smart. And like, he's, there's a lot of chachma. So what came up in the conversation was, you know, some of the protests in Iran that are going on today, you know, against the oppression of the, of the, uh, the regime. You know, they're being restrictive and the, and the uh, you know, um, what do they call them? The, uh, yeah, the, the, the police, the Tznias police, I don't know, whatever they call them, they have, you know. Um, and so, so the interviewer is asking him, like, what do you think of what's going on? So he says, you know, I'm not a big fan of any, you know, trying to compel anybody to do anything. I don't think it's a recipe for success to try to force people to behave a certain way. Um, he says, but at the same time, he says, I kind of understand where the hardline extremists are coming from. I think they're wrong, but I understand where they're coming from. They look at the Western world and the freedom of the West, and they see that that's a recipe to chaos. It's a recipe to just complete destruction. So they want to preserve a sense of order. So now they go too far with it, but, but they're not crazy. In other words, I understand where they're coming from. They look at the Western world and say, that's not utopia, right? That's, 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 uh, that's nuts. It's nuts what's going on in the West. So they want to protect themselves from it. They go too far with it, but he says, I understand. And then he says something fascinating. He says, he says I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote something from Exodus. This guy's not Jewish at all. So I'm going to quote something from Exodus. He says, Everybody knows what it, when Moshe, Moses went to Pharaoh, what, did, what was Moses' demand to Pharaoh? Everybody knows what Moses' demand to Pharaoh was. Let my people go. Right? Everybody knows that. Freedom, right? Let my people go. He says, but what people don't know is the end of the verse. Right? What's the end of the verse? Let me serve me in the wilderness. Right? That will serve me. So he said, this is, listen to what he says. So he says, so he says, you know, the problem with with the left and the West is that it, it's, it's just freedom without any service. So that leads to complete destruction and chaos. He says, but the problem with the other side is that there are, they aren't able to articulate what's the serve me in the wilderness. What is that? What is the viavduni b'midbar? What is the viavduni? Right? They, they, can't, they can't articulate that. And he says, you know, when, when, when the conservatives figure out how to share that vision with people, then they'll win. Then they'll be very popular. But until then. And he himself doesn't really understand this. And I was thinking about it. Like, why doesn't he understand it? Like, why does he grap- grapple with what the Vyav Dunib is? Right? And the answer is like this. Because he's a psychologist. He's using his own reason and logic. And he's the epitome of a logical, rational human being. Right? Logic and reason can tell you freedom without meaning is harmful. Logic and reason can tell you restriction without a goal is harmful. What logic and reason can't tell you is what does God want from you? That requires Hashem to tell you what he wants. That requires something beyond your own logic. That requires there's Hashem. He gave us a Torah. It's not inborn in our own reason. The Torah is not rational. The Torah, now there's a lot that we can understand in the Torah. 
But the Torah at its core is not representing human wisdom. It's representing Torah. It's Chalkmas Hashem. Right? This is what Hashem wants. And there's, there's Chukim, there's Mishpatim, and there's all different types of mitzvahs. So, and I'm like observing this. I'm like, here's one of the smartest human beings on earth. And he's almost there. Like, he's almost there. Like, you got everything right except for, okay, so what does it mean to serve Hashem? Right? So, so his perspective on religion is like, come on, you guys, you're all on the same team. Why are you fighting over it? Because his approach to religion is a very rational one. And it's like, I understand the, the meaning inherent in religion. But where he can't go is past his own brain. Right? He can't go from Chachma to Tam. He can't go and then say, okay, here's the extent that I can understand. Where is the divine revelation that tells me what Hashem wants from me? Where, when do I turn back into a child? When do I turn back into the Tam? Hold Hashem's hand and say, Hashem, guide me. Tell me what you want. That, that's where he fails. That's where Shlomo Melch is telling us. Yes, you'll acquire this tremendous wisdom. Now, the person that doesn't acquire wisdom, the simple time in the Haggadah, is the one who was never a Chacham. That's, that's not ideal. The person doesn't have Chacham at all. That's not ideal. Ideal is a person is a Chacham. But then beyond that, he's a Tam. He has Tzmimus beyond his Chacham. Yaakov Avinu was an Ishtam Yoshef Ahalim. He studied, he learned. He was a tremendous Chacham. But at the end of the day, he was an Ishtam. At the end of the day, it wasn't all about his Chacham. He didn't get stuck when he couldn't understand anymore. Like Lahavdal Jordan Peterson does. And again, he's a very, very smart person. I respect him tremendously for his Chacham. But he's missing this whole element, which is, okay, I, I got to, as far as my mind can take me. Now what? Tzvillin? Shabbos? Tzitzis? Lulav? Kashras, right? That's not going to come out of your psychology, right? That only comes from Hashem, right? That's where Avedis Hashem comes in. That's where the Tam comes in. We say, Hashem, you lead us because we're at the point where we can't go any further. Mm-hmm.